Hey there, listeners. Welcome to Horror Movie Club, the show where two dudes who are not quite nerds but not quite noobs choose a horror movie each week to rate and review. I'm Brian. I'm on the phone with my buddy Ashvin, and today it is Halloween. So we are discussing Ooh. Halloween 1978, directed and written by John Carpenter, co-written with Deborah Hill, starring Jamie Lee Curtis, Nick Castle, and Donald Pleasance. Uh... This is almost the conclusion to our series on movies that take place on Halloween. There may just be a bonus episode in your feed today. Um, so that's a little treat from us on Halloween. Ashwin, how you doing? Hey, man, I'm pretty good. I'm really excited that's Halloween. Yeah. Uh, you going to eat any candy corn? Uh, a bunch. I'll get some candy corn, uh, some milk duds, um, maybe one of those mini Snicker bars. What, what about you? I actually hate candy corn. Really? I find it's a pretty polarizing candy. <laughs> you know, I don't get it. It's, it's like it's good for you because you're getting your grains, and then it's also like a candy. Uh, <laughs> I, I just feel like it hits all these different food groups. So it's, yeah. it's a hard one to be down on. <laughs> uh, the Native Americans were really big into, into candy <laughs> yeah. corn. I think they, they invented it for yeah. sure. I, I think that's a sure sign of a serial killer if someone tells you their favorite candy is candy corn. You think? I would think so. I mean, wouldn't that like be a pretty big warning sign for someone? That Michael Myers may have eaten some candy corn off camera. <laughs> yeah, I actually I think that's the genesis story of Michael Myers. Like, you know, the movie starts out with him as a kid and just like going into the killings. But yeah, I, I bet like five minutes before that, he was just like going down on a bunch of candy corn. <laughs> yeah, that was in the deleted scenes. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, so. Everybody knows what Halloween is about, I assume, but uh, just in case you don't, 15 years after murdering his sister on Halloween night, Michael Myers escapes from a mental hospital and returns to his hometown to kill again. And this is a slasher movie, and I think it's debatable, but I think of this as kind of the granddaddy of slasher movies. What about you? Yeah, I mean, it, it depends how you're measuring it. Like, if you're talking about uh, influence-wise, uh, I, th I think you're right. Um, like, m I, I think this one is probably the most influential for all the movies, the slasher films that followed after this in the 80s and 90s. Um, but it's, it's definitely not the first slasher film, though, is it? Yeah, so this is a little debatable. Um, some people, I think, even consider Psycho a slasher. Yeah. From 1960. I think of that as kind of like a spiritual grandfather of slashers mm -hmm. and then um texas chainsaw massacre and black christmas were both oh, okay. released in 74 mm -hmm. those are considered slashers uh brian you know you know what's really funny i mean i i, I rewatched this today um but during during today you know i was working from home and i was looking for a movie to watch so i put on scream 4 which is on netflix have you seen that film uh i don't think i've seen four yeah, it's, it's like the one that came out like 10 years after all the other ones, like in 2008 or 2009. And at, at one point in the movie, uh, you know, I, do you remember in Scream 1 when uh, the killer's like drilling Drew Barrymore uh, on like her trivia of, of horror films? Yeah. So so they're, they're kind of redoing that because like Scream 4 is like the super self-aware scream and it's kind of making fun of all the other screams. And so they're, they're doing this horror trivia again and, and this girl's on the phone with uh, Ghostface Killer. And he's like, you know, what's the original uh, slasher film? And her default answer was Psycho, like, you know, as you just mentioned. Like, a lot of people see that as, 
you know, the first slasher film. But apparently she got that wrong because then the Ghostface Killer guy was like, it's actually a movie before that called Peeping Tom. Have you heard of that one? Oh, I have heard of that. I, I guess that's considered the original slasher film, but I've, I've, I've never heard of it or seen it. Huh. I think a lot of this is up for debate. Yeah. 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 The definition is, even the definition isn't black and white. Exactly. Like, how, how do you define a slasher film? Uh, oh, I think of it as a sharp weapon wielding bad guy. <laughs> Maybe more than one bad guy, but typically one or bad girl, bad woman. And like killing off a like a certain number of characters slowly one by one until he gets down to the final person who's the main character. Yeah. And I think that would be the general definition, but then there's like a bunch of tropes that are kind of often in the mix. How about sure. you? What, what would you define a slasher as, or what did I miss? I mean, I, I think that's all accurate. Uh, the one thing I wonder if um, you would consider adding is that all the victims have to be teenagers, or like it has to comprise mostly of like a bunch of teenagers running away from this. Um, unless, like, I, I don't know, have you seen slashers where that's not the case? Hmm. You know, well, if, if they're not teenagers, they're pretty young adults. Yeah. But yeah, commonly teenagers for sure. Yeah, right. Um, and like the, the final girl is a trope, and mm-hmm. people dying if they're abusing substances or having sex. Yeah. Uh, these are ones that Halloween like really helped to popularize too and like the use yeah. of a theme song for the killer was a big one in Halloween right was was Halloween one of the first ones to have like that final girl um theme or, or that trope I think uh like Texas Chainsaw had a final girl and oh yeah Jessica I can't Biel. remember if Black Christmas did or not uh yeah I've never seen Black Christmas but like I think a lot of it is as well like not only what movie started it but what movie made it so popular or like did it along with all the other things like mm-hmm. Halloween feels the most like a slasher to all these ones that we're talking about that may be the first slasher right yeah because like Halloween it's so much easier to trace like the existence of Jason and Freddy back mm-hmm. to Michael Myers uh, yeah I, I agree I, f- I feel like maybe it kind of solidified the whole genre in a way yeah and did you know that uh, the holiday Halloween is named after this movie? <laughs> what? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. It's not. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, do you have some kind of? <laughs> yeah. No, but yeah, definitely, yeah, definitely a very influential movie, though, right? Yeah, for sure. And I feel yeah. like this is a movie that a lot of people have seen, even if they don't watch many horror movies. Yeah. Right. And, or uh, you at least know who Michael Myers is. Mm-hmm. And and uh, I don't know. It's it's considered like one of the best uh, horror films. Like I feel like it comes in all the top lists all the time. Yeah, for sure. It's definitely in the mix when people talk about the best horror movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's definitely up there. Yeah, and it spawned what ten other movies? So there's eleven movies total, including the new one that's about to come out as wow. we record this. Yeah, have you seen any of the other ones? Because I, I haven't. Um, I have not seen all of them, but I've seen two. I've seen 
I think I saw like H2O and Resurrection. Mm-hmm. I didn't see either of the Rob Zombie ones. I feel like I may have seen four or five in there and not really paid attention. Sure. Uh, I really want to see three, though, because everybody seems to think that's actually a really good movie. And I Wow. Yeah, that's the only one without Michael. Oh, really? Then who's the villain? Um, I'm not sure to tell you the truth. It, I think <laughs> at that point they were thinking like, okay, let's just start doing kind of like an anth- almost an anthology type thing, except each movie would be a different story. I see. Like we're just going to make it a s- Halloween series and only the first two were about Michael Myers, but the rest will be about whatever. Wow. That's so weird. Yeah. It's like the Mario two of like the Mario series, which is kind of like a, a one off <laughs> oddball. Yeah. Good analogy. Yeah. Um, and Jamie Lee Curtis is in how many of these? I think she's in four of them total. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it'll make, if the new one will make five or if the new one makes four. But she's in one and two, and she was in H2O, mm-hmm. and she's in the new one. I'm not sure what other one she was in or if that's it. Yeah. And I, I've heard the, the Rob Zombie one's actually, like, pretty scary. Yeah, I would, I'm would. i curious to see that one. I think that was a bit polarizing. Okay. Thanks for but I know me. I definitely know a lot of people who are into it. Mm-hmm. Um, and... As a peek behind the curtain for the listeners, we, Ashvin, did this. We did a Halloween like test episode when we were practicing before go live. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I feel like a lot of these fun facts we might be repeating to each other. And oh, a lot yeah. of them are kind of out there in the world already, so they're not as mind-blowing. But the one that I never knew until we researched it last time that blows my mind is that Jamie Lee Curtis is the daughter of Janet Lee from the Psycho shower scene. Oh, what? I feel like you did yeah. tell me this, but I totally forgot about that. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah, I forgot about it too until I researched again for this one. Wow. And this is like her first film, right? I think so. Yeah, I, th- I think this yeah, was I like think her... she was doing a TV show at the time she was mm-hmm. doing this, but I think this might be her first movie. Wow. Yeah, that's that's crazy. I, w- I wonder if uh, yeah, her, her mom being in Psycho had anything to do with that. Yeah, I think John Carpenter did think it would help bring some publicity to the movie. Yeah. Well, Psycho wasn't too far ahead of this one, was it? Like, it, how, how many, what did we sound like, 10 years or something? 18 years before this. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's weird. It, that, it's hard to think that movie is from 1960. It's kind yeah, of ahead of its time. Yeah, I really thought it was like the 70s at least. Yeah. That's, that's crazy. Um, yeah, but, I was thinking late up. 60s, but yeah, it yeah. does hold up. Yeah. yeah that's impressive. Um, um, was was uh, Jamie Lee Curtis was she even uh, was she 18 because I know she was like the youngest cast member in this film uh, and she was a teenager so I, I wonder if she was even like around when Psycho happened or not oh good question yeah I mean it must have been right on the cuff but then her mother would have been pregnant in Psycho so uh, it was a yeah that's a really good question yeah huh um this movie was made on a budget of like 300,000 and then went on to make 47 million. It's considered like one of the most successful independent films, right? Yeah, that is just a crazy return. That's unbelievable. Yeah, I know. I know. So, Friday the 13th and Nightmare on Elm Street, those weren't independent films? They um, probably just had like bigger budgets. 
That's a good question. I I don't know. I yeah. think Friday the 13th, I don't think it was independent. Yeah. I feel like right. a, a big studio was, even though that was low budget, mm-hmm. I feel like there was a big studio behind it. But ah, yeah. gosh, I don't know. Yeah, but I, I, I could almost see like this one doing like really well and then those two kind of following a few years later as kind of copycat films done by like the big uh, studios or something. Yeah, for sure. And I, I think Friday the 13th, I'm pretty sure that the director and writer went on record as saying they were directly trying to copy oh, yeah. Halloween, even though I think Jason missed that fact in our episode on Friday the 13th. <laughs> yeah, I don't think he would admit to that. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, and that's I think that's why this is often considered like, or at least some people consider this kind of like, the first slasher even though it's technically not maybe it it, it just really kicked off that 80s trend yeah mm-hmm. um and it was originally called like the babysitter murders yeah yeah that's what the uh that's what deborah hill and john carpenter called their script and then i think the one of the producers suggested naming it halloween and changing it to take place on halloween mm. yeah what which it does take place on Halloween, but this that's not really pertinent to the plot at all. <laughs> I know. They're like no trick-or-treaters in the movie, which is kind of bizarre. <laughs> There's a handful of them, and they're all like during the daytime. Oh, I didn't see any of them. You what? see a few, um, maybe in just one or two scenes, but it's still light out. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's weird that like the main kids in this one weren't like out and about trick-or-treating. Yeah, yeah, or like upset that they weren't trick-or-treating yeah their parents just went out on halloween night (laughs) yeah and and they're like at home on halloween night carving a jack-o'-lantern like wouldn't you have done that like weeks ahead of time yeah and they're not in costumes or anything yeah that's a poor kids yeah that's like the worst halloween your parents are like out you're home carving a (laughs) jack-o'-lantern although lori did seem like a pretty great babysitter yeah that's true that that kid was pretty psyched to be uh having as a babysitter yeah yeah um and they watched the thing from another world from 1951 which john carpenter would go on to remake oh i didn't realize that was the thing in 1982 yeah interesting yeah yeah so this this was like john carpenter's uh second or third film right maybe second hmm I think I read like he did like that assault on precinct something. Yeah, 13. assault on precinct thirteen was before this, so yeah, it might be the second. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and uh, he did a good job. Yeah, yeah, and the score, like the really famous score that he kind of wrote, which I guess he like wrote in just a matter of a few days. Yeah, uh, I mean the, the score, I feel like that elevates this movie. Like, yeah, it, like. I feel like it impacts this movie unlike any score has to another movie. That's mm-hmm. probably an exaggeration, but just I can't think off the top of my head of a movie that wouldn't be even close to what it was without the score. Yeah. Uh, I read I, that like a critic thought it wasn't that scary, and then he added the score after that right. criticism. Um, yeah, the, the only other one that stands out to me is like Friday the 13th has kind of like that signature score but are there other i can't think of any other scary movies that are known or like where you hear a score and like it reminds you of that movie on the jaws. Movie side. jaws jaws oh yeah good one 
Yep. That's probably like the closest one to this and like how much the score matters. Yeah, yeah. But I'm sure if we I'm sure after we stop recording this podcast we'll think of like five more. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm sure they're out there. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, yeah this is definitely iconic. Hugely iconic. I remember a friend of mine in grade school had this soundtrack and I feel like we just like turned the lights off in his room and listened to it. <laughs> so, the whole soundtrack like not just like the theme song no just like the main theme oh okay that's that's pretty scary <laughs> yeah it's a scary song i mean some of that's probably from my childhood left over but yeah like when the opening credits start and they're playing that music i'm just, i'm like scared already Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. yeah it's a, it's, a, it's a good like kind of tense feeling song it kind of gets in the mood right away yeah for sure um yeah there's some fun facts on this movie but i i i personally am a bit jaded of them just because i feel like most people have known them mm-hmm. uh the altered captain kirk mask is another interesting one i feel like most people know that but that the michael myers mask is just a captain kirk mask with some changes made yeah that that's pretty awesome yeah uh, yeah, and I think they were like looking at like two or three masks, uh, and, and that one I think got the best uh, feedback. Yeah, I think they liked that it was just like blank and emotionless. Yeah, which really kind of fits uh, Michael Myers and the character. Which, what do, you, what do you think about like you in this movie? Like, I think what makes it work is you never know that much about uh, Michael Myers, and that that mask is perfect in that. And, and I think that's what kind of makes it scary is that you don't know why this guy is doing what he's doing, and it's just so cold and emotionless. And that's, that's kind of cool. That they found yeah, for sure. I feel like that was a very deliberate thing on John Carpenter's end. Just like, this guy's just evil. And like, we don't, you shouldn't know anything about him. There's nothing to know. Like, yeah. He's right. the boogeyman, essentially. Exactly. Exactly. I um, feel yeah. like this, I feel like there's maybe a lot of uh, discussion on the masks. I think some of the masks in the sequels are a little bit different than this mask. Mm hmm. Uh, same concept, but just like slightly altered. Oh, and okay. the and there's a different mask for the new one that's about to come out. Yeah, I saw a photo. Have it definitely s- looked a lot darker. Yeah, what do you think of that one? Um, I'd have to see it like in action. I think I've only seen it in posters. I I do like the original mask the best the best though. Yeah, I think so too. I, I feel like maybe it's it's not cool to bash the mask anymore, but uh, mm-hmm. it, it looks. Yeah, it, it'll be interesting to see it in action. To me, it's like got worry lines and stuff. It's just oh like, yeah, it's not quite the like blank, terrifying, expressionless yep. stare that this one is. Yeah, they gave it too much character in the new, in the new ones. I think. Yeah, I think they tried to overdo it, but we'll see. Yeah. Um, outside of like uh, really solidifying the slasher genre, um, like other things, I think this movie kind of brought about was like the whole point of view view, like where, where you're. You're in the killer's head, and you're seeing what they're seeing. This is one of yeah. the first films to do that, right? Yeah, I think so. Uh, I do think Black Christmas did it too, but yeah, this oh. was definitely one of the first, and I think it really solidified that. Yeah, um, that trait of a of a slasher movie. Yeah, I like that a lot. That's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It definitely builds suspense. Yeah. Um did you did you feel like this movie is slower than a lot of other movies we watch? You know, yes and no. That's kind of an interesting question because it takes a while until, like, the main characters start to die. Mm-hmm. 
but throughout the movie you're seeing michael myers here and there like Mm -hmm. yeah and i read somewhere that they tried to write the movie so that like every 10 minutes you had a scare Mm -hmm. so there's definitely tension building at the beginning yeah and like the theme song scary it starts with a hook just like so many horror movies do so right away you get a scary scene yeah um i actually thought it was kind of efficient though yeah yeah make use of its time um because it's not it's not that long of a movie overall no it's 90 minutes and like the last part of it with just him versus Lori is actually pretty short yeah yeah I feel like it's only like 15 minutes or something. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's not, not a long one. Um, How about you? Did you feel it was slow? Well, I I, I felt like outside of like that first killing, the hook that, that the movie opens up with, uh, more so than other movies, it took a little while to get to like any other action or real killing. But you're right, like they're like little pop-up scares on the way. And it's I, I thought that was cool, like the way they, they kind of build the tenseness. Yeah. Um, hey, one thing uh, I didn't realize before, but I'm starting to realize it now with like, the new um, promos that are going on and in reading about this. So they credit Michael Myers and his character as the shape. Have, yeah. Did you catch on to this? Yeah. What, what, why is that? Like, what, what do we, uh, what, what do they mean when they say the shape? Is that just like what they're referring to him as? I don't know why they did it that way. It may have just been a way to distinguish the character when he's wearing a mask versus when he's not. So he's Michael Myers when he's not wearing the mask and then... Michael Myers, or he's the shape when he's uh, wearing the mask. Yeah, yeah. So like in the scene where he's unmasked, it's actually a different actor than is than who plays him most of the movie. Oh, I see. Nick Nick Castle plays him most of the movie and is credited as the shape. Yeah. Um, I think the guy's name's like Tony Moran or something. Who whose face we see? Oh, that wasn't Nick Castle. Correct. It was not. <laughs> That's gotta suck to like play the character the whole movie, but the one scene where like. You have an option to kind of show your face. <laughs> they, they put another guy in there. There I go. Get out of here. <laughs> yeah. It's a face shot. You got to get out of this. And dude, I'm, so I've been trying to avoid information about this new movie just because that's how I do. Yeah. But I'm pretty sure Nick Castle is Michael Myers in this movie too. Wow. Oh my God. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. Yeah. And it's like a dude in his 60s. Is John Carpenter still involved with the new one? He did the music... And I don't know to what other extent he was involved. Okay. You may learn about that soon on a yeah on a bonus episode. <laughs> yeah, it'll be interesting to see, compare yeah. it to this movie and see what we got wrong. Yeah, I know. <laughs> You'll win so much. Yeah. Uh, anything else on this movie before we start switching over to plot mode? Uh, no, nothing else, man. You, you got your Ohio connection for us? I do. You know, I can't remember how I connected this to Ohio when we did our test episode, but uh-huh. and I lost my notes. But one of the few visible product names in this movie is Quaker Oats. It's oh, yeah. Like, who's who's eating Quaker Oats? It's in the background. It's in the kitchen of the house across the street from Lori. Okay. Um, the house that her friend Annie is babysitting at. Yeah, in the kitchen? Yeah. And mm-hmm. did you know that was founded in Northeast Ohio? <laughs> Quaker Oats was? Yeah, it was four companies that merged, and one of the companies was in Ravenna, I think the biggest company, and then one was in Akron. Wow, no way. Yeah. That's crazy. There's still, like, a hotel downtown. I think it's a hotel now that's, like, grain silos converted into rooms. That's awesome. In downtown? Downtown uh, Akron. Downtown Akron. Wow, that's amazing. 
I had no idea that was from that area. That's a yeah, yeah, that, that part area. of downtown Akron is called Quaker Square. Oh, wow. Awesome. Yeah, that's pretty obscure. I can't, you notice that uh, in the background? <laughs> yeah, luckily, because I don't, <laughs> I don't know how I so how else I would have connected this. Yeah, yeah, yeah nice work. <laughs> well, uh, let's take a quick break. I'm a little bit hungry, so I'm gonna grab a bite to eat. All right, sounds good. Okay, cool. Be right back. Okay, I'm back. I'm fueled up. I'm ready to go. Nice. You find something good to eat? Yeah, I just uh, ate a quick dog, and now I'm feeling better. <laughs> what are you you're saying? Are you implying he ate the dog in the movie? You, I totally, I don't know if I missed this or just never really registered it, but uh-huh. it's implied that he ate a dog. With that dog that was barking outside of uh, Annie, like where she was babysitting? No, not that one. I think he just killed that one. <laughs> but when they, when Loomis and the sheriff go into like the old Myers place, oh, yeah. there's a dead dog and right. it's still warm. And Loomis is like, oh, he got hungry. Oh, I didn't, I didn't I mean, realize I was, yeah, he's being literal. Yeah, I think so. Which is just like weird. That's not, it doesn't like fit into what I think of Michael Myers as being. Yeah. A dog eater. Yeah. And like this was would this have been his first dog? Because he's like been under I know. the care of a mental health facility <laughs> since age six. So. Yeah, yeah. He that, gets out and eats a dog. Yeah, that that part's kind of crazy. Like, uh, yeah, he's this guy who's like spent his whole life in a mental health care facility, and he's out, and like he knows how to drive a car, and like how to break into places, and I guess how to cook a. Hopefully, he cooked the dog, but I don't, know. <laughs> I don't think so. Yeah, I actually think you're right. Yeah, I remember seeing it. Cooking were there. Oh, man. Um, yeah, pretty weird. Yeah, I, I never put that together. That, that that's what happened. It's gross. Yeah, that was a big, a big like, huh moment for me when I watched <laughs> it this time. <laughs> he ate the dog. <laughs> yeah, and, and you think that second dog he kills, he's like, I already had dog today. I'm okay. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah. cool. All right. <laughs> Yeah. Or maybe he like notes to himself, like, just put this behind the bushes over here. Yeah. <laughs> Come back later when I'm I'll done with back. these people. <laughs> yeah. So make for a nice after kill treat. Uh, yeah. After I fall out a window, I can just go here and grab a bite. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Okay. Uh, so we open, like we said, with these credits and the iconic theme song is playing. And it's just a, a lit jack-o'-lantern on a black screen and it slowly zooms in on the jack-o'-lantern. Which really sets the mood, in my opinion. I, I love the opening credits. Yeah, I, I like that, too. It's very yeah. classic. Yeah, for sure. And then the opening sequence is of this teenage couple. They're making out. I think the year is 1963. It's shown on the screen. And we're watching this couple through the point of view of somebody outside the house stalking them. This couple goes upstairs. This person enters the house. And uh, the dude then comes down the steps a full, so the actual, I think I found a calculation on this. It's a minute and six seconds later <laughs> that he comes down the stairs. Buttoning his shirt as he walks down the stairs. Yeah. Yeah. So. That sounds about shortest right. Shortest sex session ever. Yeah. Um, 
So we, we see this dude leave, and then our killer goes upstairs. We see him grab this clown mask off the floor, and he walks into this girl's room, and she's sitting there brushing her hair, and she looks up, and she's like, Michael? And then we see the knife, and a knife in his hand just starts stabbing her. Uh, and he, like, looks over at the knife as it's stabbing, mm-hmm. um, which is kind of weird, but it's actually... It's very a Michael thing to do. Just to look at the knife? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Just like out of like wonder or amazement or something? Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Like almost like he doesn't understand like what he's doing or... Yeah, or like kind of like cold detached analysis. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of like his head tilt thing that he does later in the movie. Yeah. So we see this point of view, the girl falls on the floor and dead, and I think we see what might be the only blood in the movie actually I know. yeah I think you're right um, he goes downstairs and the parents presumably of this girl pull up and pull the mask off and we switch from point of view mode and see that this is a little boy and it's Michael Myers and his parents are just standing there like in awe of him standing there with this knife yes. bloodied knife in his hand yeah right So then we switch to 15 years later, 1978, um, and the psychiatrist named Loomis is driving to a mental health facility. I think it's to escort Michael to court. Mm -hmm. And there's a nurse in the car, too, and there's some dialogue between them. And Loomis is just talking about, like, this dude, like, he's a monster, and the nurse is kind of, like, chiding him for dehumanizing this mental patient. And he's like, no, this is different. Like, this dude's pure evil. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think their dialogue is actually pretty good here. Yeah, yeah, the, between the doctor and the nurse. Yeah, yeah, like if you compare this to the opening dialogue of some other 70s or yeah. 80s slashers, it's it, it's a uh, cut above, in my opinion. I Yeah, I, th- I think throughout the film, I feel like the dialogue is a cut above. Um, it's just more realistic and, like, uh, relatable conversation. It yeah. feels like two people talking versus like a, the in between of like a porn film or something. Yeah, exactly. Like if you compare this to the dialogue in Friday the Thirteenth, it's way better. Yeah, yeah. These are like actual conversations that people get, might be having. Yeah, for sure. So they pull up to this mental facility, and it's night. It's raining, and all the patients are out on the lawn just roaming about. And so Loomis is freaked out. It's presumed that Michael had something to do with this. Loomis gets out of the car, and then a figure who we can't really make out, this dude jumps on the car and, like, starts breaking the windows and freaking out the nurse who's still in there. She runs out of the car, and this dude gets in the car and drives off. So nobody dies in that scene. They're just freaked out, and Loomis is like, oh, shit. Yeah. (laughs) Um... So then we cut, this is all taking place in Smith's Grove, Illinois, I think, the uh, mental hospital scene. And then we cut to Haddonfield, and we meet Jamie Lee Curtis's character, Lori. And she is walking down the street with this kid, Tommy, who she's going to babysit later tonight. And she's been instructed by her dad, who's presumably a real estate agent, to drop off keys at the old Myers place because her dad's trying to sell the house. And Tommy's like, don't go up there, like it's a cursed house or haunted house, whatever. 
And she's like, there's nothing to be afraid of. And she goes under there, goes up to the house, puts the key under the mat, and you see a point of view shot from inside the house watching her. And you hear the trademark heavy breathing that you'll get used to throughout the movie that is Michael Myers. I don't think he has a respiratory problem. I think it's just the sound of breathing in a mask. I think you're right, yeah. Yeah. Although that raw dog got to be doing something to his health. I know. (laughs) That can't be good for you. Yeah. Raw dog is never healthy for you. Um, Is that this part where he, like, comes out on the sidewalk and you can see him from the back, like, watching Lori walk down the sidewalk? Yeah, he, like, comes out of the house and then watches her walk down the street and she starts singing this song to herself. I think the lyrics are something like, I wish I had you all alone, just the two of us. Mm-hmm. Apparently she improvised that. Oh, no kidding. Good, good on her. Yeah. I, I like that. There's some great stuff throughout this movie that kind of foreshadows like their relationship throughout the whole franchise. Yeah. Like that song and then Don't Fear the Reapers playing in a car at one point. Yeah. And then right. there's a scene with Lori in a classroom where the teacher is like lecturing about fate and like yeah. you can't escape your fate. Yeah. Um. Yeah, yeah. It, it, cool. uh, that, that, that's what uh, that's that 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 classroom scene. Uh, that, that's what happens next, right? Like she's in class. Uh, I think she, maybe that might be the next thing. Yeah, and you see her. I think she sees Michael from the classroom. Oh, she sees like a car out there, right? Like yeah, but I think right? he's standing by the car, right? With his mask on. Yeah, you might be right. Yeah, yeah I maybe think. Yeah. And then I think the she somehow gets distracted. Maybe the teacher asks her a question, and then she looks back, and he's gone. Yeah, but which is yeah. Mm-hmm. typical. Go yeah, ahead. typical. But yeah, yeah, that classroom scene. Like so many movies, I feel like do that today, where like the, the there'll yeah. be like a lecture going on in a class, and it ties directly to like what's going on in the story or something. It's like a way of foreshadowing. It follows, does that? Yeah, it follows, does. Um, I feel like Hereditary might have done that too. Like uh, the kid was in class. Uh, oh yeah, as we talked about. Yeah, uh, yeah. It just seems like an easy way for them to like drive a deeper message in a movie by having like them like show them in a classroom hearing a lecture on something. Yeah, for sure. Good call. Um, okay, so then I think later we see, and throughout this we um, intercut with like Lori we see Loomis like tracking down Michael and discovering that, okay, he's definitely made his way back to his hometown. The gravestone of Judith Myers, his sister has gone missing and he alerts the local sheriff. And uh, yeah, I don't know what order that all takes place in, but it's kind of intercut with, with Lori's stuff. And, and the sheriff is like pretty skeptical. He's like, um, cause I mean, they're like maybe an hour and a half away from where the, the breakout happened. Yeah, I think from so. The- but it surprises me that's like just this doctor like out on the hunt for uh for Michael Myers and like you don't have like a a crew of people out there or there's not like some big manhunt going on for this like escaped uh you know, convict on Halloween night. Yeah, like Loomis tells the sheriff like let all your people know but don't let like the public know. Right. But you never really get the vibe that there's this massive hunt going on. All you yeah. ever see is Loomis and the sheriff. Right. Um yeah. So I think the next scene is probably of Lori and her friends, Annie and Linda, walking home from school. And Annie and Linda are kind of chiding Lori for being like a prude or a goody two-shoes. And at one point she says boys don't like her because she's too smart. So here we're kind of like setting up what kind of person Lori is. Yeah. 
Um, and like you see earlier in the movie, the way she interacts with Tommy, I feel like it kind of like are you talking talking about how this movie may be a little slow at the beginning. I think it helps us care about Lori. Yeah, which is missing from other slashers. Yeah, there's a surprising amount of character development through like those conversations and the and the whole buildup of like her with uh, the, yeah the, the the kid she's gonna babysit and her friends. Like they really kind of try to paint her. And, and her personality and making like this really real character which which I appreciate yeah yeah and I feel like at the end of this movie I feel like Laurie is more of a hero than just like a bait for the killer yeah and that's been debated by like highly educated people and like there's always discussion about this movie and feminism and we won't even get into all that but <laughs> you can think of this movie as like misogynistic or like you know, Lori is a hero. So yeah, yeah. It's just interesting like, that's even like a, a topic that's like talked about for this movie. Yeah, but, yeah, right. Yeah, like I'm sure who would have guessed when John Carpenter made this that he thought this would be such a touchstone. Yeah, right. Exactly. Um, Which, yeah, kind of speaks to yeah. like the the wide impact of this one. Like how, how many people have like viewed it and like how it's been viewed in the culture. Like it's uh, it's pretty impactful, I guess. Yeah, for sure. Oh man, there's this book I want to read. I wish I knew the name of it. It's called, I feel like it's like Women, Movies, and Chainsaws or something like that. It's like a study of gender and horror movies. Oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah, I've been wanting yeah, to read that. Yeah, I bet you that. could write a whole book on that. I bet it's got to be fascinating. Yeah. Um, and also there's something at the ending that, that um, makes people argue against Lori being the hero, but we'll get there. Mm-hmm. So... We've got it all set up. Lori's babysitting Tommy. Her friend Annie is babysitting this girl who I think is named Lindsay, who's going to be right across the street from Tommy. Um, so these two will be right across the street from each other, and I think their other friend Linda is hanging out with her boyfriend that night. Um, and it's Halloween they night. See, yeah, it's Halloween yeah. night. They see this like creepy dude drive by in a car, and mm-hmm. at one point here, Lori sees Michael like standing behind bushes, and then he's gone. So, like, throughout the setup, Lori is seeing Michael throughout town, and she's yeah. just, like, getting creeped out. Yeah, I feel like there's a good half hour of, like, just Michael, like, stalking or, like, either following them in a car, standing by that bush, or even, like, uh, tracking... What's the, what's the little kid's name that Lori's watching? Tommy? Yeah, I remember, like, uh, he's, like, standing outside of the school watching Tommy and, like, kind of driving by uh, Tommy while he's, like, in the playground walking by himself. Yeah, yep. So, yeah, there's a, there's a good amount of sequences of, of, like, just Michael being creepy and, like, driving around town and stalking people. Yeah, for sure. Real creep. Yeah. <laughs> so then later that night, Lori's over at Tommy's house. It's dark out, and Tommy sees Michael across the street uh, where Annie is babysitting Lindsay, and he, like, alerts Lori and says, the boogeyman's out there. She looks and doesn't see anything, and she's like, oh, relax. Which is definitely a point, I don't want to get too deep into like how much of this is believable, but you would think Laurie would be like, shit, I've been seeing a dude all day. Oh, yeah. If he says there's a dude out there, like I'm calling the cops. Yeah, that's true. You think she'd be on edge already and then that, that would kind of put her over. Yeah. Like, yeah, so, someone, someone is hanging out in the neighborhood. Yep. Yeah. So what's going on then is Michael is stalking her friend Annie, who's next door babysitting Lindsay. And at one point, Annie comes over to drop Lindsay off with Lori. 
at Tommy's house so she can go pick up her boyfriend. And then she drops Lindsay off, goes back to the house to get in her car, and Michael's hiding in the back of the car. He pops out, strangles her, and stabs her. And you don't see any blood, but it's a pretty brutal scene, just like the struggle. Mm -hmm. And then when she dies, her eyes are just bulging, and her head like slowly falls onto the horn, and the horn just honks. Yeah. Like laying on the horn. Yeah, it's a pretty realistic, like cold murder. Yeah, yeah, like all the kill scenes are just like cold. Like he's kind of like stalking and toying with his victims almost, but then like at the kill, he's just mm-hmm. all out. Like his only goal is to kill them. Right, yeah, like almost like a machine. This is so, so we're like an hour into the movie by now, like when this first like modern, like present day kill happens, right? Yeah, yeah, I think so. And, and, and I don't know, like there were some scenes here where like Annie's like babysitting. And she's like going out to the to, to wash uh, her clothes in like this uh, the washer dryer, which is like outside the house by the garage. She gets stuck in there, and so there a lot of like scenes where like they're building suspense, but like nothing's happening, and like images of her like walking across the yard, and then finally like when she's in that garage, she's like finally gets attacked and killed. But that, that yeah. was a pretty long build up. I, I don't know. You didn't feel like that might have been a little too long. I don't. That's one thing I really like about this movie is just just like really builds the tension, and you're on edge like. Mm-hmm. Whereas Friday the Thirteenth didn't really. It was just like somebody walked into a place <laughs> and then Jason killed him, and that's it. Yeah, yeah. This one is, is Although, kind of a, yeah, yeah. Not really Jason, but right. <laughs> um, but yeah, I kind of like that. But you felt it was a bit long. Yeah, this this one at certain parts, which I mean, I, I liked. Like I, I see what they were doing is like effective because you're tense this whole time. But um, I, I do feel like uh, the the whole Annie sequence it went on for like a long time. Uh, and then before she's finally killed, I mean, it could have been like maybe like five or 10 minutes shorter, but I, I appreciate what they were trying to do. Yeah. That was probably like the longest he like stalked somebody. And yeah, aside, if you don't count like Lori at the beginning, just in broad daylight, him being around. Right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. The all day stalking. Yeah. If you don't count his day job. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. so then the next sequence is her other friend Linda her and her boyfriend come over to the house where Annie is supposed to be babysitting Lindsay and nobody's home so they're like let's go upstairs and have sex they do that (laughs) and Bob then goes downstairs to get a beer and Michael is down there and he just comes out of a closet stabs Bob through the stomach and like pins him to a wall yeah and that's again just like pretty direct but brutal Mm -hmm. and there was some suspense built as he was going downstairs in the dark right but still like Um, no blood yeah no blood and then after he kills him michael kind of like steps back and like looks at him and like tilts his head like a curious dog Mm -hmm. um which is kind of a michael myers trademark yeah well how many times does he do that in this movie i feel like there might be only one head tilt in this movie Okay, but then that becomes, like, something in the future movies? I think he does it in future movies, but oh, I'm okay. not totally sure. It's been so long since I've seen the other ones. Yeah. So then Michael comes upstairs with a sheet on, like a ghost, and Bob's glasses on over the sheet. So Linda assumes it's Bob, and she's, like, talking with him, and then she gets frustrated because he's not responding, and she gets on the phone to call Lori. And by the time Lori answers... Michael has crept up to her and starts choking her with the phone cord, which sounds like sex noise. So Lori just thinks she's like 
playing a sick joke on her. Mm-hmm. But then she gets a little bit concerned and heads over to Annie's house. And then this is kind of like as the climax starts happening, she finds Annie like sprawled out dead on the bed with Judith Meyer's tombstone over her. And then she like backs into a backs up into a closet and then Bob like swings down from the ceiling somehow. And then Linda's smashed into another closet. So she's just seeing all of her friends, dead bodies. She's freaking out. And then like Michael pops out and stabs her in the arm and she like falls down the steps. And then the chase essentially ensues from here. Mm hmm. Yeah, and I feel I really, like. Go ahead. Oh, like like Michael Myers, like he really like set the that room up to be like this like uh like this death scene. <laughs> like she walks in, there's like a perfectly like the gravest staring at her. There's a girl on the bed, and like these doors pop open, and other dead bodies popping out. That was a pretty elaborate setup on his part. Yeah, he really took some care. Yeah, he's a showman. Yeah, I I like to think of the scenes of like him eating a dog and him like arranging all of them. <laughs> He probably grabbed that dog from behind the bushes, was like eating it while he was like arranging the whole thing. Yeah, he's like periodically going over to the nightstand and just like grabbing <laughs> a forkful, <laughs> whistling while he's putting it together. Yeah, mm, that yeah. is good, dog. <laughs> yeah. The chase is on, and I really love this next part. She goes over to a neighbor's house and is like screaming at the front door. And they turn on their lights and then turn them off. Like, they <laughs> yeah. don't care. Yeah. Which is just like, I feel like we've seen so many other movies where they don't go to the neighbor's house and you're screaming at them. Right. Like, why? Right. And, like, this is all you have to do to close that loophole or that plot hole. And it makes it more scary. Cause <laughs> just like, refer oh, to shit, this. Like, nobody <laughs> cares. Yeah. Refer to this scene where <laughs> that's what happens yeah. when he runs to the neighbor's house. Which. Yeah. That. So, you know, the two things that amaze me here is, like, like a neighbor, like, doing that, right? I mean, like, this is, like, this isn't, like, a city or something. This is, like, a small neighborhood, um, a suburb. And I feel like if someone's, like, screaming at your door, you're going to want to do something about it. And then secondly, like, this whole time, the the doctor from the beginning, uh, he's, like, in the neighborhood, like, watching Michael Myers' house, which I think is, like, right down the street. He should have heard, like, her screaming or something um, and, like, come over, which, which, I mean, eventually he, like, sees them, but I don't know. It's kind of surprising. Yeah. Yeah, I guess we don't know exactly how far away he was. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. Yeah, there's you could definitely find some plot holes in this, but I don't think they're so obvious that they're frustrating. But you think that's a normal reaction from a neighbor to like see like a teenage girl screaming at your door and just turn the lights off? You know, it's hard to say. Like you might just assume it was a joke. Yeah, on Halloween night. Yeah. Yeah, it may be right. Yeah. Um, so then she eventually gets back to the house. Michael is walking behind her and slowly creeping up on her. She's somehow locked out of the house and she pounds on the door, wakes up Tommy and then he lets her in. She tells him to go upstairs. That, that was a then, pretty intense sequence. I thought where, uh, like he's walking like across the yard behind her and she's like knocking, like trying to get into the house and he's like coming yeah, up behind her. Yeah. Screaming at the top of her lungs and the music's just like really amping up. It's, mm-hmm. it's tense for sure. Yeah. So she ends up having an encounter with Michael downstairs in the house and Tommy and Lindsay are upstairs and she eventually bests him by stabbing him in the neck with a knitting needle. And of course he's presumed dead and she drops <laughs> her weapon and heads upstairs to tell the kids everything's okay. And as she's doing this, the kids start screaming cause they see Michael Myers. He's come upstairs 
and she tells them to go off in one room and she leads him into another room. She opens the patio door so he thinks she went out there and then she goes and hides in the closet and like ties the doors together. It's like double door closet and she ties them together with like a hair scrunchie or something. So I feel like she's pretty smart. Like she hasn't done that that much that's just like totally stupid like you yeah. would you'd see in so many other movies. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I don't um, know. I, I I think running back home was kind of a dumb uh, move. Like she should have just like kept running down the street. Why'd she lead him into a house with kids? Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe that's fair. I well, I think her intention was to call nine one one, but the phone was out. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Um. So yeah, then he like breaks through the closet, like breaks the wood door and is reaching in to get her and she unwinds a coat or a clothes hanger and stabs him in the eye he drops his knife she grabs it and stabs him in that chest again no blood yeah and again we think he's dead or she does and then she tells the kids to call for help um like go to the neighbor's house call for help <laughs> and then we see him in the background kind of like sit up like nosferatu style yeah and he comes back and fighting her again and he's choking her and at this point Loomis has like noticed the car from the hospital and he's like starts prowling the neighborhood and he sees the kids running out of the house screaming so he gets his gun out and runs in the house and walks in on him choking Lori and Lori like strips off his mask which distracts him and makes him let go of her neck and gives Loomis enough space to shoot him. So Loomis shoots him like six times, and eventually the gun blasts like blow him backwards out of a window. He falls, and then Loomis goes, looks out the window, and the body's gone. And Loomis doesn't look surprised, and Lori just like can tell by his expression though that Michael's gone. Mm-hmm. And she just starts crying because presumably she knows that he's still not dead. Well, she asks, right? Like, was that the boogeyman? And he's like, in fact, it was or something. Yeah. Yep. As a matter of fact, it was. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah. And then the music starts playing again. And the final shots are like of all the places we've seen, like these two houses and places in the neighborhood. And we hear Michael breathing, like as if to say, like, he's still out there somewhere. Mm-hmm. I really like that way of wrapping up, like showing like all the scenes where all the murders happened and like that you saw throughout the movie. That, that's a really cool way of ending. Agreed. Great, great way to wrap it up. Mm-hmm. I like that. Yep. Um, what do you think of this movie? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I thought it was like pretty well done, especially for, for the budget and uh, like the storytelling was really good. And, you know, the, the dialogue was like a, a cut above most of uh, the dialogue that you see in other movies. Um, Jamie Lee Curtis did a great job performance wise and like Michael was pretty scary for just like being this like blank wall that was just like killing people out of, out of nowhere. It's it pretty, pretty sinister. So yeah. Yeah. It's like it's such a simple concept. It's just a dude who you don't, who's this, this presumably evil. You don't know anything about him and he's got yeah. this blank stare mask on. Yeah. And that's what kind of makes it scary. Right? It's like, yeah, it's like so unknown. Like, why is he doing this or what does he want? Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's you, just like they squeeze so much out of this simple yeah. concept. It's great. Do you uh, have any idea like why he picks? Uh, do they ever like explain like why he picked Lori or 
uh, what his motive was for any of this? I think later on they try to. I think in one of the sequels it's implied that Lori was actually his sister. Oh, yeah. S- somehow. Uh-huh. But I can't remember how that all works out. But in this movie, I just assume it's because he saw them at his door. Yeah. Okay. So he's like, why not? Yeah. That, Get some yeah. dog in my belly and I'll go after these two. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's what happens after you eat some rabid dog. Um, yeah. And then... Uh, one of the things here is like the, the, they kind of blew the line here with Michael Myers like he's a person who's like deranged but he's also like some kind of supernatural uh, human being or something right because he can't be killed pretty much yeah yeah and that's actually that isn't necessary for a movie to be a slasher movie in my mind but mm-hmm. a lot of people kind of assume that's part of the definition of a slasher is this somehow unkillable bad yeah. guy yeah right yeah and it's interesting because like uh so much of this is like feels real but then there's that whole point where you're like well wait you shot this guy you stabbed him a bunch of times and he's still alive so then there's like it brings in like a supernatural element to it uh and yeah i guess i guess you're right like friday the 13th had that um uh freddy krueger had that elm street yeah Um, even uh modifier or uh Terrifier. The modern Terrifier has that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, do, do you like that, or do you, do you feel like that stretch kind of makes it unreal and then it's, it's, it pulls away from the scare? I like it, because it's just like, no matter what you do, like, yeah. you're done. You can't escape fate, as Laurie's teacher says. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but then, like, you juxtapose that against, like, maybe a movie like Henry, where a very similar story, you just have, like, this kind of crazy guy just going around killing people like a straight up serial killer but um i don't know i almost feel like this is a little more scarier uh even though like henry is like more realistic obviously yeah and like henry is not necessarily a slasher but like i feel like a really good example would be scream oh yeah where like the baddie isn't immortal but it's still really scary mm-hmm. right but, yeah but yeah that one that one had its own little twist that that we won't reveal in case nobody, <laughs> in case there's somebody out there who hasn't seen it. But yeah, but I, in general, I kind of like that. I think it makes it more, just all the more scary to know that you can't necessarily defeat this. Yeah, I agree. Enemy. I agree. It adds like a d- degree of complexity to it. Yeah, for sure. So um, zero to five clothes hangers in the eye. What do you give this? Um, man, I think, I think. I'd have to give this one uh, four and a half uh, oh, close nice. hangers in the eye. Yeah, I mean, I, I almost feel like compelled to give it a five, but um, I, I don't know. It, it left a, there, there were a few too many kind of spoilers for me. I feel like the kids really should have been out and about trick or treating. I just kind of feel bad for them. And uh, but I, I thought it was scary and, and like with the plot and the premise, uh, they did a really good job with this one, especially for for the time. And it, it kind of holds up as like a cold. Uh, you know, cold-blooded killing, killing movie. What, what about you? You know, I give it a four, but it's hard for me to find much wrong with it. It's just that it's, <laughs> I think that, as I've said before, slashers aren't necessarily my favorite genre. Yeah. But I think this is like definitely one of my favorite flashers, slashers. I think the only one I might like better is Scream. Oh, yeah, sure. Which you wouldn't even have without this, and it's kind of right. a spoof of movies like this. But, um, yeah. But yeah, I don't, I, 
I have like I couldn't argue with somebody giving this a five. Like, yeah, I know. It's great. <laughs> it's really efficient. The music is incredible. Like the camera work is really good too. That's a big part of why they succeed so much in building the suspense. Right. You mean like the point of view uh, angles? Point of view and just like. A, so many of the shots involving Michael, just like when he's walking behind her or when he's in the background and sits up like, mm-hmm. or like the view of him in the closet, like down from like Lori's point of view. And he's like looking down at her. It's just, it's all really effective. It is. And, you know, I, I really appreciate like how simple they kept this. I feel like another director may have tried to go overboard with it or like, um, add in like a bunch of like unnecessary characters or driven up the kill count. But you don't even have like that many kills in this, and like I love the fact that there wasn't like any blood, but it was still like pretty effective uh, scares. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I just like they kept it simple, and that was like pretty smart on their part. Yeah, it's definitely one of the scariest horror movies I've seen. Like, mm-hmm. not as much so. I've, it seems like I've seen this quite a few times now, but it's still it doesn't scare me, but it's still creepy. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. I think that's a good way to describe it. And I think the for if you're whoever you are, the first time you see this movie, you're gonna be scared. Yeah, <laughs> and it, but but it's also kind of fun too, right? It's got like that seventies, uh, eighties kind of fun part of like the teenagers kind of making fun of each other. You're bought into the characters, so I, I feel like yeah. it's a good balance of like really creepy and then you know like kind of light moments here and there. Yeah, yeah, it's not like so serious that it's 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 not fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's kind of a perfect balance. Yeah, yeah, cool. Classic. Good stuff, man. Mm-hmm. Uh, you got anything else? Uh, no, no, that was, that was a good one. Good pick. Cool. Yeah, well, I'm excited to uh, watch the new one. Should yeah, be fun. me too. Cool. Well, that's it for our discussion on the original Halloween, everybody. Uh, hope you enjoyed it. And look out for that bonus episode in your feed. And if you want to tell us what you think about this movie or about the new movie, you can hit us up on Facebook at Horror Movie Club Podcast or Twitter at Horror Movie Pod. You can shoot us an email at podcast at horrormovieclub.com. Uh, check us out on Facebook and Twitter, too, in case you want to see what episode we're doing next week. Uh, our logo is done by Amy Mae Popart, so check her out on Etsy.com. And if you haven't already, go back and listen to our Night of the Demons episode where she's our guest. And until next time, if a masked man is chasing you with a knife and you manage to incapacitate him, take the time to make sure he's as dead as possible before turning your back on him. Okay.